Welcome to Feels Like Healing with me, Al Lewis. A podcast where I talk to artists about how creativity has helped them process their grief. The reason I'm making this podcast is because when I was 21, I lost my dad to MS. That seismic moment in my life made me decide to become a singer-songwriter. I'd been making music before that point, but never considered it a life choice or as a career. However, after the death of my dad, creativity became a solace for me and a way I could express both my joy and my pain. It made me feel alive in the very moment when I was confronted with the ephemeral nature of life and the devastating reality of loss. So I wanted to talk to other people who've ended up in the creative world, but who've also experienced loss, to see whether they have similar stories of why they got into creativity or whether they were already creative people and just happened to suffer grief. I hope during these conversations that I will come to better understand grief and why it makes us feel how we feel and do what we do. This is Feels Like Healing. This week on Feels Like Healing, I have the illustrator, animator, Gary Andrews. Gary took his grief and turned it into something beautiful. Um, A book called Finding Joy and... It's full of illustrations that Gary made uh, following the tragic death of his wife. And I came across Gary um, talking about this book on Nihal's show on Radio 5 Live uh, a few weeks ago. And it it felt like it was um, a sign for me to get in touch with Gary um, to talk on this podcast because he spoke so eloquently about the relationship between grief and creativity. Um, so I'm delighted to say that Gary is joining me today. Hello, Gary. How are you? I'm very good. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Um, thanks for joining me on Feels Like Healing. Um, as I've just alluded to, this is a podcast about the exact subject that you were talking to Nihal about a few weeks ago, about how grief and creativity, um, how they are related and how creativity can be brought upon by grief or can be altered and inspired by grief. Um First of all, I'd just like to ask the guests um, a brief history of their creativity unrelated to grief. But, you know, when when did you first start out being a creative person? Um, Well, apparently, as soon as I could hold a pencil, um, (laughs) my my, my parents said that when I was a baby and they gave me a pencil, instead of holding it like a like a spoon or a dagger, I actually held it like a pencil and just loved making marks from the day I could actually do it. So I could pretty much draw before I could walk without knowing what I was doing. Um, yeah. So it's always just been second nature to me. It's just been something I've always done. Uh, I remember as a child, I'd sit and watch TV, and as I was watching a programme, I'd be lying on the floor drawing a comic strip of what I was watching and things like that. So it's always been a way of, uh, uh, I don't know, expressing myself, I suppose, and, and, and just... It, it's a thing that just came completely naturally. And at what point, I also like to find out, did it become something that you thought you could do as a job as a career or was it was it a a hobby that you sort of just fell into work or was it were you a a driven person to I want to be a creative and I want to use this as a because it was just something I did I never really thought I'd ever do anything else it was just one of those weird things that I do drawing and then when I finished school I'll just do drawing and um I you know I did lots of drawing at school and, and was always doing stuff like school magazines and things like that and then um, I, it, as we were coming towards the end and everybody else was being told to go into the army or banking or whatever you know I, I would sort of sit there and go I think I'm gonna go to art college and I just sort of applied and got in and then I went and did my foundation then my degree and then I sort of came out and fell into 
you know, just sort of knocked on some doors and started doing. And before I knew it, that was my job, you know. And yeah. uh, it, and then I fell into animation shortly after that. And um, yeah, and that, that's where I've been ever since. So animation and illustration is it's kind of there was never a master plan. I just sort of yeah. <laughs> I think it's a, it's a good job because I don't think I could do anything else. So it was quite handy that actually I could make a living out of out of drawing. I I do sometimes think that um, the the seed of doubt when you start making plan B is that's when you start failing because you've, if you've just got plan A and that's your f- sole focus, then uh, sometimes that helps, doesn't it? So I think plan A is giving it a lot more credit than it's due. It's simply blundering <laughs> along into, into into it as a thing. And, um, you know, I still even having... The, I mean, no, I've, I graduated oh, f- almost 40 years ago from art college, you know, but I still have imposter syndrome that one day someone's going to go, hang on a minute, you do this as a job? You know, so it's it's kind of weird that even after all these years, you can still, you know, think that way. <laughs> and so, as someone who has been making art for a profession since um, a very young age, as a young adult, um, wh- when would you use creativity as a more of a personal tool to... I mean, you, you, you alluded to it earlier about using it as a as a kid to sort of understand what you were going through and what you were feeling like it was just a way of expressing thoughts i mean i always I, I'm, a, I'm a visual thinker so um if ever i needed to clarify something to anybody if i was trying to explain something people would get it if i drew what i was talking about people would get it um yeah. so it was never really a conscious thing I mean, creativity was just something I did all the time. It was it was the work, it was the fun, it was whatever. And I'd never really seen a need for it to be anything beyond that, I suppose, until my wife died. And then it and then what I was doing, you know, suddenly became an outlet for that. And and that it was at that moment that that I realised the power of it. Up until then, yeah. I think because it was just something I did, I just took it for granted. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, exactly. And uh, it was fun and it was nice to express sort of thoughts and ideas and stuff, but only in ever, ever a fun, creative way. Um, but as I say, it was, it was when it became a, a sort of coping mechanism, I guess, that, that that's when I realised the power of it. So your, your book is called Finding Joy and... Joy was your wife's name, am I right in saying? Yes, it was. I mean, it was yeah. it was a gift that one. You know, she couldn't have been better named in real life, <laughs> yeah. and and after she died, it became my sort of my journey, my my sort of you know my reason for sort of carrying on was to find was to find joy again, you know, and sort of and and so the the book and the drawing was was it something you took to straight away after she passed was it almost like a compulsion or were you was it a while before you took the pen back up actually it was something i was already doing um as a creative thing um because over the years the way i work has changed you know when you left college everything was you know watercolors and pen and ink and brushes and and over the years it had become more and more digital Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm drawing all day on you know graphics tablet on on a screen. It's still drawing. I'm not using vector art. I'm still drawing. But it was yeah. It was you know there's an undo button and there's you know layers and all that sort of thing, which is great <laughs> professionally. But um, um, I felt I'd lost touch with pens and paper and and the scratch of the ink and the, you know, the scratch of the nib and the smell of the whatever. So I decided to keep a daily doodle diary like like something right. that had occurred to me that day that i'd read that i'd done that i'd seen whatever and every night before bed i would do a little drawing 
and um, I've been doing that for about a year and a half and then when Joy died um, it had become such a habit by then that I just kept drawing yeah. but what I drew obviously was totally coloured by what had happened to me so the day she died I mean there was still a drawing that night but it was just a broken heart you know and, and but then it sort of went on from there so it was but you said you'd started about a year and a half before so had had Joy's um, illness had that incorporated itself into your doodles before then oh not at all because it was very sudden it was it was an unexpected it was um she died from sepsis and you know it, it happened like in, you know like that i was away on business and she dropped me at the airport she felt poorly for a couple of days and then i got a phone call saying can you come home early she's had to go to hospital by the time i got home she was dead it was it was ridiculous mm. so there was no illness to document at that yeah, point it was yeah, yeah. The, the last couple of times she turned up and it was us being silly you know um yeah, yeah. And suddenly, there was this massive 180 degree change in my life. And yeah, I'm a person that can talk to people and I have friends and I had, you know, the support of people like that. So it was great. But to really express those inner feelings, it just, you know, that that came out on the paper because I always tried to do the thing that had impacted me that day, you know, in, up in the run up, you know, the year and a half before. So of course the big impacts were going to be grief moments and solo parenting moments and and all that and they became what the drawings were about but then very quickly it became you started to realize there were so many levels to the journey and there were there were, there were ups and downs and, and i just documented that as i went along and did you did you think that they were going to be just for your own consumption or did you think quite early on that you wanted to share this because i think that's the other thing i've noticed about creativity and grief is sometimes people want it for purely personal reason they want to be creative but other times there's a sense that by creating something and sharing it that, that there's a there's a healing in that as well yeah it's kind of it was a bit of both i mean the, the they were basically for me the draw because it had been for me as a practice you know before before the grief happened so and i used to share them on the social media with my mates just to amuse people and i had you know like 600 people following or whatever you know sort of thing and it was just a small selection of thing and i would post it on there just for fun so the habit was there and also it meant they were all in one place i had it, it kept like you know i had the diaries but if the diary ever got lost i had a digital backup you know so i was yeah, doing it yeah. for that and um and then after it, it became a grief thing I realized it was quite useful for people who didn't see me every day to realize how I was, that, that yeah. things were okay, that the journey was, was there. So I was letting my friends know through it where things were at. And then what happened is they started to get noticed. They got picked up by the press and by goodness knows what. And suddenly it went through the roof crazy, the amount of followers. And um, I started getting feedback from people. And what I noticed mm. from that was how much it was helping other people seeing how I could visualize and, and sort of put into pictures things that i was feeling that they were feeling perhaps that they couldn't express to friends and they could show them drawings go this this is what i meant or i'm glad yeah. i'm not the only one feeling this and as i was starting to get that feedback from people i realized the value of it to other people as well as to me and yeah. then the fact that it was helping other people helped me heal as well and knowing yeah. that something positive was coming from something so negative helped that healing process and made joys like death uh, less pointless and it became a two-way process and and then but the thing that was really important to me once i realized that was then not to go what do people want but to still keep it completely personal 
because mm. that's what people were responding to. So never playing to the audience, never playing to the gallery, just constantly being truthful about what was going on, because that was what was helping people. If you started going, I think they want this now, people would smell it and you'd just become another person doing drawings for the sake of it, which yeah. is not what they were. So there was never really, um, a, again, a plan beyond that. And then a publisher got in touch and said, have you thought of doing a book? And I was like, well, that would be nice. And, and it went from there. So it was, it was, it was lovely, you know, and yeah, it was, it was a very interesting process, the whole thing. Did you ever think of yourself as becoming a man who would be talking and drawing about grief and loss? And, and how does that make you feel? Because for me personally, um, just to give you a slight backstory for me, it's, uh, it's been 15 years since my dad died and it's taken me this long to be at a place where I can openly talk not just about the process of grief but about him as a person um, and and not break down and cry and feel embarrassed by my uh, by my emotion um, and so this has been another tool for me to sort of help me is it a really selfish way, I suppose, in, in in that respect, to sort of talk to other people? You sometimes feel like, yeah, am I being indulgent here, using my grief as a well, you know, as a, as a, as a window for this? But but it's not, is it? Because as you say, talking about it helps, and that's so important. I say to people, just talk about it, talk about it. You know, that it, the more you talk about it, the more you're you're letting off the little bits of the pressure cooker. You're you're venting those feelings, and that's got to help. Bottling them up is what's is what eats you up inside. Um, I. I never thought I'd be in that position, I have to say. I mean, I lost both my parents by the time I was 30. Um, yeah. And I'm an only child, so I'd been through that grief process with them. When Dad died, yeah. I then had to look after Mum, so there wasn't much time. After she died, I got a chance to process it a bit more. But it, there was... I think because... You know, I was, I was young-ish to lose them both, but it was still the right way round. You're yeah. supposed yeah. to lose your parents, you know. Yeah. So I didn't feel there was anything untoward to process for me at that point it, I, it was regular grief and i'd lost all my grandparents i mean i'd, I'd had loss you know so i was kind yeah. of ready for that in a way yeah um but when joy died of course it was it was a whole different ball game I mean, she was 15 years younger than me anyway she was only 41 when she died you know and i was in my my sort of late 50s and with with two young children we, we'd had them you know late and stuff i'd never thought i'd be the one to go first she was young healthy fit i was the old bloke you know we'd yeah. always made the plans for when i go you know, yeah. uh, and suddenly, bang, that didn't happen. And that took some getting used to. The, the, um, uh, what was it? the unfairness of that, the, the, the fact that it should be her, that just didn't make any sense to me at all. And that, that took some, some adjusting, I guess. Um, and just that grief of losing someone who you've chosen to be with. You know, you love your parents and you know people have different relationships with their parents but but, but you do expect to lose them at some point yeah. Yeah. yeah to to lose someone like her was so painful um but yeah i mean having been through it before i guess the practical side of grief i was i was used to so i was left yeah. to deal with just the emotional side which which was which was kind of useful in a way i didn't have all the other stuff to sort of burden me down so I could indulge myself, I guess, in, in, in actually getting those feelings out. And by having the art there to do it, it really gave me uh, an avenue to do that. Had you used creativity before with your parents or had that grief, like you said, had that been more of a, uh, a death in time, as they say? And, 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 and 
had you felt a need to to be creative to help understand that that those deaths or was that like you said was that more creative with it do you i mean my, my dad had a longer illness he was like two years my mum was sudden and um with dad as he was getting ill i was using creativity and cartoon stuff a lot during that course to sort of lighten the burden for him and for me and doing funny cartoons of him in hospital with the nurses and all the pipes and you know making little jokes of that and everything which he loved and in fact when he died um we put one of his favorite cartoons in the coffin with him i went to see him and put it on his chest and said that you know take it with you sort of thing um so i used creativity in that way i guess to take the sting out of death because you know death is inevitable it comes to us all and it's become such a you know in our in our in our sort of western society these days it's become something that that's to be feared and actually it's something yeah. that that it, it's you know after being born it's the next most natural thing so <laughs> i wanted to take the sting out of it for myself and for so by doing that it stuck two fingers up at it you know mm. and and um i've kind of felt like that again you know i did with mum and then again with joy you know by finding ways you can actually turn on it and go no 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 don't you do that to me you know, I, you know then i guess does that sort of answer it? I think. it does it does and i wonder also um you mentioned you had to you know raise some children now as a sol- solo parent did did you notice in them any leanings towards creativity to help with their grief yes in a different way i mean they both did a couple of little drawings and stuff like that but my daughter um did a bit of poetry she she went into the writing side of it she she yeah. and she and she did a few when it first happened then a little break and now she she started doing poetry again not grief based but it, i think it, it kick-started a kind of creativity yeah. in her that are they're beautiful deep little poems that are very emily dickinson kind of inspired i think she loves the program and i think you know dickinson and apple and i think she uh <laughs> she got inspired by that so she's she's sort of but yeah, that that was her first reaction was to write a poem, which she actually read out at Joy's passing ceremony. She she read out a, a poem in front of like two hundred people when she was ten years old. It was extraordinary. Wow. Um, my son, he was only seven when she died, so I mean he's twelve now, and um, his creativity in a way just became comedy. He's he's always been a funny little lad, and he just became very quirky and quite dark in his sense of humour. And I think that was his creativity was to, was to go down that path. But it's interesting, isn't it? They've both taken to something different, but still, like you say, it's still an outlet, isn't it, for for how you're feeling. Um, the book came out, am I right, in 2020? That, um, that sounds about right, yes. Yes, yeah. I think so. I've lost track now. Obviously, the world has changed so much in these past two years. And, and like you say, even though as a Western society, we, we, do, we still struggle to talk with death, death has become far more in the headlines in the last two years. Um, do you do you find now that um talking about joy and talking about grief and death is it is it still something you're happy to do and does it still bring you some comfort or do you feel like you want to move on now to something else i mean i think it's um i think it's a very valid conversation still and i mean just because it happened to me almost five years ago it's happened to other people now Mm. and and that conversation is still absolutely valid and um and the journey never ends. It's it's an ongoing process. You, you you get a different relationship with your grief, and 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 your your life does continue. Grief becomes a part of it, and you learn to sort of factor that in, and and it can it can go quietly into the background as well. But then occasionally it wants to come forward and remind you it's still there, and and you know and and 
I kind of, I'm very happy to sort of still have those conversations. Do you feel like you, you better understand your grief Absolutely. Now? I've had a chance to process a certain amount of it over these few years and people who are coming new to it, some of them, you know, need a bit of a, a handhold to sort of, in the early days to say, you know, it can feel overwhelming, don't worry, go with the flow, whatever, you know, and um, being a kind of, becoming a kind of spokesman for it, for the, for the male voice as well, which is one that's mm -hmm. sort of, you know, as a lot of people in the in the sort of grief business say to me, you know, it's 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 a voice we don't hear as much, you know, the the male perspective, because yeah. because as men, you know, we're told to you know bury our emotions and all that crap. Um, and I just <laughs> love the fact that there are more men like yourself and you know me that are talking about this kind of thing now, and I think that's going to have to help people because you know, as you say, it's become a lot more in the headlines. We've been had a lot more unexpected ones in the last couple of years, and in very difficult circumstances that people have had to deal with as well. So. It's, I think it's very valuable that it's that we can still do this kind of thing and and other stuff as well you know there's other aspects to life you know as a, as a, a widowed person you know that that other surprises like I've, I've recently you know got a new partner and and that's a whole new um, experience as well that yeah. some people find difficult in, in in this process and I was sort of at the beginning was like oh wow that's happened then that was you know and that's to be negotiated as well you know, as the journey and and so i think it's still a very valid conversation and so do you still do a doodle a day is that still something you do it's become that that habit is still there for you yes it has i mean and you know the grief aspect of it now is very much in the background it doesn't happen often because i'm not living it on a day-to-day -day basis it's not the yeah. predominant thing in in my life um solo parenting has become a big part of it and and the, the 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 sort of love after loss thing has become a thing as well and 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 that and how you and the blending of family and how including the person who's died in a new relationship as well and how that you know how important that is to not ignore and everyone has to understand that that's the you know so all that's become a thing now in it and and the grief demon which is what he kind the demon the grief became anthropomorphizes this kind of demon <laughs> on my back that yeah. ended up in the corner of the room still crops up occasionally but but it's very much a background figure now but it it sounds to me like you're still using your creativity to to well as you said to document what's happening to you but also to perhaps process and understand process life yeah so that is it's still a huge tool for you in that respect then very much so and as someone who's you know getting older you know as we all do day by day but suddenly sort of my body's letting me realize that i'm a bit older than i used to be um there's there's the fitness struggle things like that just health and fitness and that's become a thing i process and you know you struggle with that sort of thing sometimes and and by putting that out there the people, other people go. Oh, I'm in the same boat. Yeah, I've been, I've been doing that. Yeah, you're not alone. You're not alone in that. And so, just life in in general is, it, it, it you know, takes a lot of processing. And in this crazy world we live in, is such a complex one these days that, you know, it's nice to be able to sit down and and just for ten minutes, fifteen minutes at the end of the day, go, ah, right. Let's just unpack this for a moment and process it and not go to bed with your brain buzzing going, I need to sort that out, I need yeah. to think that. But actually going, right, what do I need to just offload or or say? And it gives me like a mindfulness moment to use a sort of common, you know, buzzword of the of the day. But it, it's just a nice time to sit and go, right, that happened. In terms of these the changes in what you're talking about, are people still coming to you and 
and resonating with these new conversations about dealing with uh, new new relationships when when you're a widow and stuff because they're important things that again uh, like you alluded to before um, you know men don't often talk about these things and those are types of subjects that are seriously lacking in uh, chat conversation yeah I do I do get I mean you know the response by the by the followers and stuff is amazing and they are I mean to a person lovely and um, I do get that still that feedback people who are going through a similar thing or people who are speaking for somebody else who's going through that oh my brother's going through this my sister mm. my whatever you know and you know they've been struggling with that and it and and they point them at me and and i, I get new people sort of discovering my account or whatever every now and then and they go back through and see where it's come from and so yeah. they reconnect with some of the early grief stuff still so even the stuff from five you know nearly five years ago i still get comments on some of that from people who are new to new to it yeah because it's there it's out there it's searchable and and it's timeless, isn't it? I mean, there, you know, there's no, there's no um, clock on grief. You know, it, it's no. there for everybody. I was just gonna say, apart from apart from drawing, is there anything else that you go to for a sense of healing, a sense of understanding where you where you're at yourself? There's a writing that goes with the drawing, I guess, that's supported with a yeah. little bit of text always, and the two go together. The drawing is the primary thing but usually supported with a little bit of writing or sometimes done as a sort of, you know, a counterpoint or whatever. You can have a bit of fun with that. Um, I do occasionally just do a painting for myself, you know, for nobody just to sit and do a bit. I rediscovered painting during lockdown um, and we used to have family painting days and stuff where me and the kids would sit and just choose a subject and we'd all do a painting. And, and I kind of fell in love with that again, although since the real world has sort of impacted on us again, I'm, you know, I have less time for it, but I'm, I'm trying to find that again. Um, and you know, theatre and drama, I love that, and that gives you a way to sort of, you know, interact with other people and express and stuff. So I, I love all that as well. But you know, at the heart of it all, it's it is definitely the drawing. And you were mentioning how you know never play to the crowd, which I think is a a very apt um, thing to, for any creative to uh, bear in mind. But do you do you think now with your doodles a day? Uh, is it still giving you that same satisfaction or does it does it ever feel like a chore to do to keep if oh i've got to do this again today now or i never it never feels like a chore to do the drawing because that's the fun bit sometimes you just have a day where you think well nothing really happened <laughs> i've had i've just sat here at my desk and drawn and i've gone and cooked dinner and then i've watched the telly and now it's you think did anything actually happen <laughs> and, and those are the tough ones and sometimes yeah. you, i can sit there for an hour with the tv on and it's going through my head what actually is there to unpack today you know uh, there's always something in the end you can always go oh do you know what of course i thought that didn't i or that happened or oh, i know you know um so the one and once that moment comes then the fun starts because you're drawing it can sometimes be a bit of a kind of oh scratchy head scratchy head what was that but in a sense that also in itself is valuable because you are it's making you think about yeah yeah even a day of nothing there's got to be something of value i always try and find you know I, i'm very much a glass half full person or try to be and you always have to try and find something of value in every experience even if it's negative and if a day of nothing there's got to be something in there that was valuable. So I'll always try and find it. And that that process, although it can be kind of like, you know, blood out of a stone, it once once you get that little drop, wee, then the drawing starts and it's fun, you know. And uh, so the drawing itself is always a pleasure. So do you see it then as being something you'll always do? Is it is it within you that you, you just won't, won't ever stop drawing? 
it, it's become part of my process now, I think, that I do feel like I need to do my... It, it, it's like a diarist. People who keep a diary keep a diary religiously and it becomes part of what they do. And this is a diary for me. It's a visual diary. And it is... I mean, some days I do my drawing thing. God, this is going to bore people rigid. I'm just talking about my <laughs> extension, you know, or whatever, you know. And, and um, <laughs> But I think it's the banality of what comes up occasionally is what a lot of people relate to because it's like... Yeah. Um, <laughs> is that their little soap? I don't know. But it's kind of like seeing that, that next to a day where something, you know, profound or whatever could have happened or something deep or painful or beautiful could have happened. The next day, it's about doing the shopping. And I think that <laughs> that roller coaster, that kind of twists and turns of life helps people, I think, to go, that's normal. That's part yeah. of what we all have to do. And so much of what you see online you know, the influencing, the Instagram thing is just this shiny, glorious life that everybody appears to be leading, which nobody is, mm. you know. And what I'm trying to do in my in my bit is just reflect on the fact that, no, I have to go to the te Tesco's and pick up stuff. And, uh, you know, it's not... Other supermarkets are available. It, well, exactly. <laughs> Waitrose. Yeah. Uh, yeah it's, you know what I mean? It's It's kind of don't believe all the all the shiny stuff you see out on 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 the social media from people also don't believe all the doom and gloom that other people sort of put out there life you know happens and i wanted to reflect that in all its ups and downs and yeah. boring bits as well as the you know the other bits so yeah i'm just gonna keep going i think yeah <laughs> and and as a as a man like we said before it's that we 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 often find it difficult to to talk um, about how we're feeling. Did you have that outlet in your life to talk about losing joy, or was was drawing the only place you could go to really? Or my friends and family were amazing, and because I theatre is a big thing for me, um, we, that's the hobby, if you like. Um, as theatre people, we're quite good at talking about feelings and stuff. So my fr my friend circle were very open to talking about that. So I I never had a problem actually just talking about how i felt the thing was you know people go home <laughs> you know they mm, come around for an yeah. evening and, they go, and quite often those feelings hit you at midnight one in the morning yeah. whatever and that's the point the, the point when the drawing really came into its own so would you do it at, the, at those hours of the night yeah because if i was still awake yes if i hadn't yeah. done a drawing that day necessarily you know it's always the last thing i do before i go up to bed oh, so if i was that late going up you know, because I went to bed when I was tired, especially in the early days. I was, I mean, even now still, I, I stay up late because mm. if you go to bed awake, you know, I'm just going to lie there buzzing, even if I've done my yeah. drawing. So I push myself to the point where I'm just going, I need to sleep now. I don't, haven't got a clue what's happened in this last program I've been watching. It's time to go to sleep or whatever. <laughs> you know? So it's kind of round about then that the drawing happens when I'm slightly delirious. Um, uh, I, actually, I try to do it when I'm still semi-conscious. So... Um, <laughs> Yeah, they did often happen quite late at night, the drawing, sometimes. Yeah. Um, so it was, yeah, like you said, when, when the friends and family are no longer around, that's, yeah, when, that's when those thoughts start to circulate. Sometimes, you know, the, the thing that you wanted would happen late at night, especially with the kids, like early on, you know, they're much older now and they stay up, you know, later. But when they were young and going to bed, quite often it would be something they would say at bedtime that was re relevant to what had happened to us or whatever. And that would become the subject, you know um they've been part of it since quite early you know since right since the beginning and um 
I've always checked with them it's okay because they, they used to look at the drawings before Joy died. They, you know, they loved watching the, the yeah. So once they became part of it, I always said to them, is it okay if that's my drawing today? And they'd be like, yep, whatever, you know, so there's only once or twice my daughter's gone, can we not put that one up, you know, whatever? And I go, yeah, yeah. that's fine. We'll do something else. And so um, because they are such a huge part of my life and a huge part of the process and their grief has been part of the process as well. And I think that's also helped other people to see that through their eyes. Do you think they found solace in the documentation of joy? Um, well, the documentation of the grief, should I say? And of her. She turns up in the drawings still, you know, in this yeah. kind of ethereal version, commenting on our lives from wherever she is now, you know. And yeah. they like that as well, because they go, yep, yep, she'd say that. And we still talk about her in a very present way, you know, yeah. you know acknowledging the fact that she's dead, but... But in that kind of, oh, she would have loved this. She'd be doing that mm. now. So she's talked about on a pretty much daily basis still. Oh, that's great. That's Which keeps it healthy for them not to sort of go, you can't. I, I speak to so many people my age. I mean, I'm just over 60 now. And people of my generation. I talk to so many people of my age and slightly younger who lost someone when they were young. And it was never talked about. Yeah. And you that's think, the same with my dad. Yeah. Grief. That must be. I can't get my head around that at all. That is just the most unhealthy yeah i mean no wonder all these people are struggling this many years later you know i think no no it, yeah. you, you've got to talk about it. it you owe it to the person that's died to talk about them for one thing yeah no i think i think you're absolutely right so sort of looking ahead now finishing off how do you feel your relationship with grief is now? Do you do you envisage it will crop up again, or do you feel like you said that that you've moved on now, and and there are other things to talk about? You never move on completely. It's always there, no matter how long ago it happened. It's still that I still think about mum and dad, and it's thirty odd years, you know, and, mm. and it still happens. So it's there. I feel like I'm in control more now. In the early days, you were definitely controlled by the grief. Grief was in charge. And you were just dragged along in wherever it took you. The boot is definitely on the other foot now. I am in charge and I can go, no, you do not come and do that now. I'm, I'm, there's a thing happening. I'm but also by the same token, um, I can occasionally, if I'm sitting there just feeling things, I can go, come on then, in you come. And I can just let a little moment out that I might want to vent, you know, privately for myself, just let it go. Uh, and of course it is a sneaky so and so as well and it, and occasionally it can go boo and jump out at you and take you by surprise you get those moments and i think it just informs me as a person a bit more now i mean i've certainly found myself a lot more emotional you know watching films and tv and talking about stuff i find it easier to be moved and to cry yeah. and to feel the tears in my eyes when a thing is happening for good or bad and i think that's kind of healthy as well that, that nothing's being bottled up that you know um when I'm talking about a thing that I found particularly moving in a movie that's got nothing to do with death or grief like that, I can find myself going, oh, you know, like when I'm talking about it, I go, oh my gosh, you know, um, I think that's great. Well, Disney's uh, Disney's the best at that, doing that. Was I've started <laughs> watching the kids' films with my two young daughters now, and it's the the bit when uh, Randy Newman starts to sing in Toy Story or whatever. You like, oh. yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah, I won't sing anymore because we've got copyright. Yeah. Yes, exactly. It's that kind of thing. But it's the unexpected. I find it in things like I'm watching some sort of, you know, black comedy of some sort and it's, you know, whatever. But then something really rather sweet happens in it and boom, it just gets me. And there's just a moment you go, oh my God, I didn't see that coming. You know, and I love those unexpected moments of emotion. That, and I think that's almost a gift that I've been given by it. You know, it's released something in me as a person yeah. that, that, that 
that was probably there but being buried by by just life you know to suddenly go oh i can enjoy that stuff this way now is is rather lovely actually so i i look at that as one of the gifts of grief you know yeah and I think I think you're right. I think some people, perhaps, and I can understand why, maybe don't don't want to see any positives out of grief. Um, but I always felt like grief gave me a a toughness to um, endure what life throws at you, um, and and for that I was grateful. And it sounds weird to say that sometimes, I suppose. But do you think it has given you? some tools to help you with life moving forward definitely i think it's given i think it's given me better well you know i found myself doing lots of this sort of thing i've certainly yeah. grown my uh, my communication skills although they were there in the first place but it's given me a confidence in that um mm. to talk about all kinds of things but especially about this sort of subject and i've noticed it with my kids too um you know sometimes when they're with their peers and there's a situation going on that they they you know their friends find you know particularly you know daunting or or upsetting or whatever and my two are like kind of like no you'll be fine you'll be. and i realize that yeah you know, they've had the worst thrown at them that life can give them at a very young yeah. age and they've they've dealt with that in whatever way they've decided to deal with it and it's made them sort of put into perspective stuff like you know yes you're, you're away from home for a night on a on a field trip why are you crying it's great fun don't be don't be <laughs> upset you know and, yeah. and they become like little counselors to their friends who are going through <laughs> stuff and it, it's, it's really rather sweet you know um but yeah it's given them a little s strength as well i think and the fact that they've been able to talk about it with me as well not bottle that up i think that's a, a useful uh useful tool for them too it's you know i'm not under any illusions they're still going to find moments when it's tough you know they're coming they come into ages every time you hit a new age and a new developmental thing you're going to want mum there you're going to miss her you're going to find new struggles that i can't sort for them because i'm just hairy old dad you know what i mean so um <laughs> i'm not under any illusions that it's some magic wand has been waved and and they're they're going to be fine because you know there are going to be times when they're not yeah but then you just want to be there for them and go okay yeah. come on remember how we used to talk let's do that again you know and, and yeah. hope for the best you know yeah well, I think it's great that you are clearly such an open family that is willing to talk and keep joy alive in your conversations. I think that's really commendable and uh, lovely to hear. I just want to say thank you very much for being a part of this podcast and um, for sharing your journey through grief and uh, the wonderful story of joy. And I think one thing perhaps we didn't touch on, but I think for me, what I find in creativity is the ability to immortalize somebody that you love in a piece of work that will last beyond even your years and i think you've done that in abundance with your book so um thank you uh, yeah i find it extraordinary that you know people all over the world that she never knew talk about talk was. about her and know who she was and that's you know what a legacy and it's a yeah. legacy of kindness and love and i think you know what a thing to leave behind exactly thank you very much gary you can find gary and his brilliant doodles on social media at Gary Scribbler. And for more information about his wonderful book, Finding Joy, head to his website, garyscribbler.co.uk. Make sure that you rate and subscribe to this podcast as it will help to spread the word about Feels Like Healing. Thanks for listening.